insurance agents from around the world. Welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, hosted by yours truly, Scott Howell, and the incomparable Bradley Flowers. For agents, by agents, we're here to share real-life experiences, tips, and insights related to all aspects of both being an insurance agent and running a successful agency. So sit back, turn up the volume, and let's get down to business. Insurance agents from around the world, this is Scott Howell, your host of the Insurance Guys podcast for agents by agents. My name is Scott Howell, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance in Huntsville, Alabama, located here in Huntsville, Athens, Florence, Madison, Alabama. And I am joined today by my my fearless host and great American and great insurance agent from down south in Mobile, Alabama. Ladies and gentlemen, the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I'm great, Scott. How are you? Man, I'm doing the best. Thank you for asking. Guys, let's let's talk a little bit about our podcast this week. Bradley and I are going to be talking a little bit about so you've gotten into the insurance business, you have You've gotten after it. You started selling. You've gotten to a point where you feel like you got to raise your hand and have some help. So guess what, folks? For all you insurance agents out there, guess what you're about to get to do? You're going to get to hire your very first employee. We're going to be talking about that today. We're going to talk about the process. We're going to talk about who to look for, red flags to look for, and last but not least, when's it time to say goodbye? You know, is it time to say goodbye? When it's time to say goodbye? So I'm going to get this started, and I'm going to ask Bradley to kind of interject a little bit for you. But before I get started, I want to, and I'm this is not a paid advertisement, but if I'm a if I'm a new insurance agent, don't care who you're with, doesn't matter, and I'm getting ready to go hire my first employee. Maybe I've been on some kind of program. And I've, I've just kind of been by myself for the first year or two. And now I, I, I really need somebody. Uh, or maybe you, you, you bought an agency or, or you came into some different kind of program and somebody just, you know, that's been there a while just quits. And so now you're going to have to hire your first person. The best piece of advice I could give anybody is there is a book by a guy by the name of Dave Ramsey that probably everybody out there has actually heard of. Uh, the book is entitled Entree Leadership. I don't know, Bradley, have you ever read this book before? I have not. Okay. Dave, uh, of course, is the financial planner guru from Nashville, Brentwood, Tennessee area. And he has an entire chapter of his book dedicated to hiring people. And it is a great chapter. It's something that I've listened to two or three times, and I've actually incorporated uh, some of what he does into what I do when I hire. And, and I think I think the thing that I want to start, start out with by saying is that no matter who you hire, no matter how wonderful and great and, and fantastic they are, there is no foolproof way to know that that person you're hiring is going to end up being the right person. So, so I'm kind of trying to think the beginning, you know, the, I'm, I'm starting the beginning with an end in mind here by saying this, you know, we all make mistakes in hiring. Uh, if you're a business owner, the, the larger you get, the bigger you get, whether you're a, a real estate broker or a, a car dealer or, a you know, heating and air guy, doesn't matter who, who you are, you're going to make mistakes hiring guys. And, and you might as well get ready for that because it's going to happen. Uh, Bradley, the first thing I'd probably say is my experience has been everybody does great the first 90 days that they're with you. I, I call that the 90-day phenomenon. The 90-day phenomenon by Scott Howell needs to be a book one day. You could probably buy that on Audible. Um, <laughs> that phenomenon states this, that whether it's a boyfriend or girlfriend or an employee that you hire, the first 90 days is what I call the honeymoon period, and everybody does fantastic, and you're running around everywhere you go talking about how wonderful and great this person is, and they're doing a great job for you. 
99 times out of 100, the first 90 days, an employee is just going to do a fantastic job for you. There's a reason probationary but, periods are usually 90 days, right, Scott? Exactly. Exactly. And at about the 90-day mark, I, I jokingly say they let their freak flag fly at about 90 days. That's, that's when you start seeing some cracks in the armor. You start seeing some things that make you go, hmm, I never really realized that till now. And then after about 90 days, 120 days, 300 days, you, you really kind of then you know what you got, good and bad. And, and everybody's got their own little picadillos. And, and you as a business owner, as an insurance agent, you've got to decide, does the, is the juice worth the squeeze? Is that person, uh, does the pot, do the positives outweigh the negatives? You want to add to that, Bradley? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, uh, I think the reason, and Grant Cardone actually as well refers to the 90 day phenomenon. And I think, uh, the reason that a lot of that happens is, is people, People lose their belief in what you're doing, and people you have to reinforce that. Um, you have to resell them on what they're doing. I think a lot of times when people's production drops, mm-hmm. uh, on an average, when when production drops, I'm not talking about good month, bad month, but I'm talking about overall. I think it's right. because there is no longer something in that organization that they believe in or that is tied to what they want to do. There, there's something going on there, and I think right. a lot of times in the beginning. The reason that people do so well in the beginning is because they they really want to be there, so they're buying in. So I think mm-hmm. as as the agency owner, as the boss, the manager, whatever your title is, it's your job to reinforce that belief, getting closer and closer to that ninety day mark. Uh, that's Agreed. just my humble opinion, but I think that's what it is. I think the, they are being at, being asked to do something that they don't agree with. And it might be something simple. It might be something major. I'm not saying they're being asked to do something unethical, but they're right. being asked to do something that is that is uncomfortable to them. And I think that uh, that it kind of goes back to, and I think one thing you can do and one thing that I've done it, with people who work with me or even people who, you know, I had no benefit from just other agents, um, I, I've went back and, and it kind of goes back to, to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Scott, which was the hard sell is if you believe in your product strong enough, um, then it's not a problem. So you just have to reinforce the belief in that product and in that company. You have to, you have to let them drink some more of the Kool-Aid, so to speak. That's right. Yeah. And, and I guess to add to that, and Bradley's exactly right. The first and first thing you've got to do is believe in whatever it is you're selling. Now, let me say this. For the majority of you people listening to this, if this is the first time you've ever hired somebody as an insurance agent, let's say you're on some type of program and you're you're getting ready to hire somebody, more than likely, the first person that you're going to hire is probably going to be more of what I call CSR, customer service oriented, uh, because, and, and this is my own experience, Bradley, when I got into the insurance business, I I was able to handle uh, the sales and service work of my agency as a scratch agent, meaning daddy didn't give me a $10 million insurance agency and nobody gave me a, you know, you know, hand it here. Here's $2 million worth of premium. And you didn't buy Came in, started scratch, which is if, if, if anybody knows anything about insurance, that is by far the hardest way to do this. And most agents that have been in the business for a long time would tell you that I was completely damn insane and needed my head check because it is so difficult to make it as a scratch agent. But I will say from that experience, what I learned was once I got to about half a million dollars, $500,000 in direct written premium, okay, year annual premium, uh, a whole, majority of that was home and auto business, okay, once I got to about half a million dollars is when I raised my hand and I said, oh my gosh, I'm, I've reached this point where I'm doing more service work than I'm doing sales and something's got to change. Right. And so... For a lot of people that get to that half a million dollar or, or, or maybe they're a lot more organized than I am and they could do it you know, up to a million, I don't know. I, I've, heard a, I've heard a ratio before that, that one CSR can handle about $1.5 million worth of business. But, and and but, that's, that's completely 
territorial as well in some areas. Absolutely. I mean, where you're at, I can imagine in Huntsville, uh, you have a lot more people doing stuff online and that sort of thing versus right. Sarah Land where I'm at and, and everybody wants to come into the office, drink a cup of coffee sure. and pay their bill. And right. obviously there's huge advantages to both, but I think a lot of that depends on where you're at as well. Well, not only that, it, it depends on the demographics, but it also depends on if you have a commercial uh, business, more business oriented book of business, and you have decided that you're going to jump off into the world of contractors where you're having to, you know, put together a hundred COIs, certificates of insurance a day. Well, that number backs down a lot that, that, that probably then you probably do need uh, about one CSR for every $800,000 worth of business because you're just doing so much service work. And, and I don't do but, a lot of commercial, and I will add to that as, as I sparingly write a commercial policy. It has to be for a really good client, and I wrote one right. for a guy a couple of months ago, and someone needed a certificate of insurance last week, and it was probably the most stressful 45 minutes of my life. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm on my way to yeah. a very important appointment, and this builder calls right now and says, hey, we're holding a da 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 thousand dollar check, and right. we need this right now. And I sent it to them, and the one I sent was quote unquote not good enough. So I ended up right. going online and paying for a certificate of insurance. Right. So, so the first thing that I'm going to tell our audience, Bradley, and this is something I learned a long time ago, and I've always kept it in the back of my mind. I, I never hire for the person. I hire for the position. And, and what I mean by that is you, you, you have a position. Let's, let's just say for the sake of what we're doing today, it's a customer service type role, uh, answering the phones, doing COIs, uh, greeting people, front of the house type, type, type work, you know, maybe, maybe filing claims on behalf of customers. You know, we're, we're going to hire for that position. And the first thing we need to do is figure out what does that position uh, what is the job? What are the job duties? Okay. What, what, are, what is this person going to be doing? And second, second, and maybe most important, what is this job going to start out paying? What are we going to pay this person? Because in my opinion, those two things need to be answered before we go run out and start trying to hire somebody because you don't want to go out and find the, just the right person only to find out that they're making $78,000 a year in the job they're in right now, and there's absolutely no way you can afford to pay them that. So hire for the position, not for the person. That is absolutely right, Scott. And and so once we figure that out, all right, then, then we get into our process. How, how do we find that right person? How do we find that right person? And, and I'm going to say this. This is something else. I'm spitting gold. I, Bradley, I'm spitting gold today. People need to be taking notes. You, folks, if you're listening to this, get, get a damn notebook and start writing this stuff down. We need a sound this effect. This is gold. We need a sound effect for that so, when Scott spits Johnny, gold. Johnny, put a sound effect in right there if you if you hear this. So so another, another saying, this is a Scott Howell saying that I learned a long time ago too. Hire slow and fire fast. And, and and I know that sounds brutal, but I cannot tell you how many times I meet insurance agents that have staff people that that are you know employees and staff members that have kind of drug on for year after year what's, after year. What's the golden rule, Scott? What's your golden rule when it comes to people? Paula Dean and Sweet Tea, not the DMV. Oh, pa- yeah, pa- Paula Dean. I have a lot of them, but yeah, Paula Dean and Sweet Tea. And, and that is something that I really look for. And I, I heard, heard a guy say one time, he said, you know, a lot of people try to hire folks and teach them how to be good people and how to be kind to people. We just hire good, kind people to start with, and then we train them properly. That's right. And so, that's, I mean, that's what I tell new, you know, new people that I talk to or that are getting into the business. You know, right. all I want you to do is have a good attitude. I can teach you how to sell insurance. That's, it. that's easy. That's the easy part. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that applies in so much in life, whether it's sports, school, whatever, you know, good attitude, good effort will get you a long way. And, but, you know, I, I want to go back to something you said earlier, you talked about Grant Cardone in the 90 days. And, and, and there's a couple of things that I want to add to that. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I have found to be very helpful is, when you meet somebody and you interview them for the first time, I, I just, 
I just straight up ask people if I'm hiring for a CSR position, I, I just straight up ask folks, do, do you like people? Do you like being around people? Or are you more of an introvert? You know, do you find yourself telling people, God, I cannot stand them or, you know, rolling your eyes when somebody's talking or because you cannot believe how many honest answers I get from that where people go, yeah, yeah, I really don't like people. And, and like I said in the first episode of this podcast, guys, if you don't like people, insurance business probably is not for you. Um, because all you do, th this, this is a relationship business. I don't care how many billions of dollars that Warren Buffett and Geico and Progressive and everybody else spends on advertising how you just need to buy your insurance on the internet. This is a relationship business and you are only going to go as far as, as how much you enjoy being around people, talking to people, learning about people, uh, dealing with people when they have problems. If you don't like doing all that, you, you really don't need to be in this business. You need to have the self-awareness. Remember that word self-awareness to look yourself in the mirror and say, you know what? I, I probably don't need to be a CSR for Bradley flowers because I really just don't like dealing with people on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and, and because if you're one of those people that's like that, I can promise you, you can fake the funk for about 90 days and then, and then you're going to start showing cracks in your armor. And then Bradley's going to get phone calls and text messages. Hey, what's wrong with this girl at your office? She was just rude to me. Bradley, you, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? I know exactly what you're talking about. And I don't even have to wait till the phone calls. You pull that crap in my office. I sniff it out immediately because yeah. I hear everything that goes on. Right. And so right. And more than likely, whoever, Whoever somebody's working for, if you're listening to this in a CSR or, or salesperson, it's the same thing. Right. Now, now getting back to the 90-day phenomenon, because I just remembered what I wanted to say about that. I think training is huge, making sure that you're giving people the proper training so that they don't you, – you can't believe how many times insurance agents hire somebody, and instead of beginning and having a process of training these people – and folks, when I say training these people, let me let me tell you how far I go with this, okay? I want everybody to hear this. Write this shit down right now. And I'm writing this down. Please. I have a piece of paper. I have a piece of paper. And the first day you get to my office, we start at the front door. And we t we 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 figure out how we lock and unlock the front door. We figure out how to check the lockbox outside my door. We work on our phone voice and how we're going to answer the phone. Hey, it's a great day at Nationwide. This is Scott Howell speaking. How can I help you? We work on what my expectation is of how clean the office is and where things go. We work on literally when you, th when you think of the word baby steps, that, that is what we do. We start with baby steps. And that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a CSR or you're a, a, a commercial division manager that's going to write, you know, half million, a million dollars a year in insurance. That's, that's where we start. Well, that's because, just like the, the great coach John Wooden, Scott. Yeah. He started with new recruits or new, new players freshman year. The very first thing they did is he taught them how to tie their shoes. At, 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 that is exactly right. And his, that is you know, exactly what we do. His, I mean, his Be practical reason was is if your shoes are tied right, your feet don't hurt as bad, and you can play longer. But right. there's a deeper message there as well that we all can learn from. Absolutely. And, and, and going back to that 90-day phenomenon, I think a lot of times, you know, when, when, when you don't have the proper training and you don't really know what to do and you're kind of – left in limbo to kind of figure it out. Uh, you know, I've heard it described as sink or swim type scenario. I think you start losing a lot of altitude with that new employee. You lose a lot of altitude. And when you start losing altitude and they stop believing in what you're doing and you're not doing what you say you're going to do and we're going to train, but we don't ever get to it and we don't even know how to freaking, you know, unlock the bathroom door to go to the bathroom then what ends up happening is after about 90 days, they go do something else. So 
I think that's part of the 90-day phenomenon. And then I think the third, the third part of that 90-day phenomenon is people want to know that you care about them and you need to start immediately when that person comes in your office building a relationship with them on a personal level uh, th- where they know that you care about them. You know they, you spend time with them, you train them, or you have one of your office you know, people that you trust train them. And I think the third part of the 90-day phenomenon that goes beyond sales is a lot of times people get in a position where there's multiple agency people within an organization and they figure out they don't like somebody or that person doesn't like them or there's a group of girls over here that don't talk to the girl that just got hired. And all that leads to, hey, I'm going to do something else. I don't like working here. So that goes back to about step two of what I'm going to talk about today. Step one was what? Hire for the position, not the person. I love so many people out there, but they are not the right position for my CSR position at, at iProtect Insurance. And, and on, or, on, on that note, Scott, about not, not liking someone, uh-huh. I want to say this, um, and I, I don't practice this because I don't, I don't really have HR authority. I, I don't hire or let people go right. or anything like that. That's more your, your expertise, your area. But uh, culture in an office is the most important thing to me. There's nothing Absolutely. else. I mean, the best organizations have the best culture. I think to, uh, to Andy Newton, a local guy here in Mobile, you probably don't know him, Scott. He, uh, he owned a co- or started a company from scratch called Southern Light and mm-hmm. um, from scratch, literally from scratch. And he's in his probably 40s, and that company sold for $700 million Woo-wee! back in May, I believe, May of 2017. We're going to Sizzler. We're going to Sizzler. It was sold to a company called Unity Fiber. It's a fiber, Southern Light's a fiber optic company. It was mm-hmm. sold to a, to a REIT called Unity Fiber, and um, Andy, Andy's a friend of mine, and, and I actually had the pleasure of having lunch with him the day after he sold his company. He sold his company for $700 million and didn't cancel a lunch with me and with, with, a, with a little insurance agent. But uh, um, he, he flat out told me, he said, the main reason they bought us was for our culture. Culture right. is the most important thing. And, and, and I, I sort of take an advice from, and I tell friends that own businesses from Gary Vaynerchuk's advice, is, mm-hmm. is Gary is known for firing the most valuable, the most talented employees because they cannot play nice with the other people in the sandbox. Absolutely. And and he is in a business where talent outweighs everything when it comes to winning over clients and that sort of thing. And right. you know, the marketing business. So so that would be my advice to that point you just touched on, which is which is if somebody's not getting along with somebody, you've either got to address it or you've got to cut the cancer out. Bottom line. Yeah, and let me let me tell you a couple things I do on the front end and guys, this is like step one a and step one B that I do in my office. Now you have to understand that my agency is run probably more different or or, or differently than probably 95% of agencies out there. I take, I, I, I do a lot of the, and I didn't know Gary Vaynerchuk did some of this stuff, but I do a lot of the same stuff he does. But, but a couple of things I do, guys, and you need to write this down, write this down, write this down, okay? So from the book Entree Leadership from Dave Ramsey, one of the things I do is I will meet with somebody. Again, I hire, I hire slow and I fire fast. So I'll meet with somebody two or three times by myself and just get to know them on a personal level over dinner, lunch, whatever it may be. But during that process, one of the things I do, and I got this from Dave Ramsey, is I I spend the you don't, 55... You don't ask them if they're pregnant or if they're married, do you, Scott? No, 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 no. I don't do any of that. But I, um, I, I think from... I don't think you're supposed to do any of that. But um, <laughs> from, from Dave Ramsey's book, Entree Leadership, I, I have every job candidate that I interview. And yes, this is going to cost money. I know y'all don't want to spend money, but it's, it's 50 I think it's $55 to buy this. Um, I have them take what is called the classic disc profile test. 
Write that down. Classic disc profile test. Now, that test is not going to tell you whether they are going to be able to sell insurance or, or any of that, really. But what that test does is if you have everybody in your organization take that test, including yourself, then it gives you a very accurate reading as to what their personality traits are and who they work well together with. And it kind of it kind of gives you an idea of whether they're going to fit in your culture or not. But here's what I do. I've never told anybody this. This is the first time I've ever said this to anybody, and I'm going to send it out across the airwaves. I'm excited. I, I put <laughs> I put a twist on this that nobody seemed to have ever thought of, and I don't know why nobody's ever thought of this. But I, I for some reason I came up with this. So I have I have one caveat for my potential employees to do. Because about 90% of people I meet have very little self-awareness. And if you ask somebody to take a classic disc profile test and they do it themselves, the chances of them getting half the answers wrong are pretty high. So now you've got a piece of paper with what they think they are that's freaking wrong. It, it, you might as well take it and throw it in the damn garbage. So here's what I do with them. I tell them that I want them to take the classic disc profile test with one caveat. They have to take it with either a spouse or coworker or best friend, any of the three, don't care which, watching them take it over their shoulder. And if the friend, coworker, best friend, wife, husband stops them and says, no, that's not you then they have to change the answer to whatever that person thinks they are. That is awesome. So I do that to folks, get Folks, that is 1,000% Scott Howell. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and I do that because if I don't, if I'm Dave Ramsey and Big Dave just has people take the classic disc profile, Dave, I got news for you, buddy. 90% of people out there aren't even self-aware enough to be able to take the classic disc profile because they're going to answer about 20 questions on it wrong because they don't even, they don't know. They don't know what they are, what they're not. So I, I put that caveat on there. Guys, I hope you wrote that down. If you didn't, then go listen to another podcast, I guess. The, the second thing I do um, as it relates to that is, we don't hire, and this is where people are going to be like, oh boy, we don't hire anyone in our agency without there being a unanimous vote. One black ball means you do not get hired. And everyone in our agency interviews that person before they get hired. I retract my last statement. That is a thousand percent Scott Howell. <laughs> well, here, here's my thing. I have worked for too many dumbasses in my life that want to hire folks that I'm going to be the one to work with, but yet I have zero say-so in who that person is you hire. Are you freaking kidding me? That is such a like, good point. That is such like, a good like point. Like they're the damn czar of, who, of, of, of who's going to fit in and who's not. So, you know, that candidate has to come in my agency. They have to sit down with every member of our agency for... 30 minutes to an hour. Hell, sometimes it's longer than that. And um, and then we convene after that meeting, and if anybody blackballs, then, they, then they're out. So those are the two things I do to ensure that at least the person we're going to hire has, um, you know, is going to fit in with our culture because I do believe that's, a, that's the most important thing. Now, Scott, I have two questions for you. Mm-hmm. First question is, on that DISC test, are you looking for everyone to be the same or everyone Absolutely. to be different? Absolutely not. In fact, I kind of get excited. I, I will text somebody and I'll say, hey, we don't have one of you. You, you see what I'm saying? Right. I, I, no. I, <laughs> in fact, I definitely don't want everybody to be the same. Um, I will say that the best salespeople I have ever met that I've taken, that have taken that class classic desk test, including myself. Well, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. 
I'm a pretty pretty good salesperson. Okay, I'm I'm pretty pretty good. My best salesperson I have, our two disc tests are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Now that's two people that are pretty damn good in sales that have the exact same disc profile, but everybody else in my office has has a deviation of of a different that there's something different. They're they're not they're not any of them the same. So no, I don't. To answer your question, no, I I don't want everybody to be the same. I want to have we we need we need people to fill gaps in places where we have weaknesses in terms of personality. Okay. The second question is I, when you have some. Have you ever had some? Well, the second question is, uh, and I'm going to proceed it with a question that was not the second question, which is, have you ever had someone blackball someone? And if so. What do you require on that other per the person who did the blackballing? What do you require on their end to explain why they're blackballing? Do you do you make them? Uh, in other words, you don't want a team member just to be having a bad day and be in a shitty mood and and say, "No, I'm gonna blackball this person just because they don't like the color of their blouse." Right. So, what do you require on their end to hold them accountable as far as blackballing someone goes? Well, I think simply put, it just requires a great explanation. And, and you know, they wore a peach-colored blouse to the interviews, not a, not a great explanation. So, so have you had someone blackball someone before? I've had, yes. I've had a, I've had a few people that I've interviewed that, um, that, that people, multiple people, and usually if one person blackballs, usually enough, more than one have expressed some concerns. Let me just put it that way. Um but I have had I've had some people uh, recently that were interviewed and 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 they didn't really just come straight out. Most of the time they don't come out and just say, "Hey, I don't think we ought to hire this person." But it's more like, "Yeah, they were okay." Um, but you know, they I noticed that they didn't have this or they didn't have this type of personality, and I just don't think it would fit well within our organization. There, there's usually a pretty good explanation behind it, not just. You know, you're they. You know, they had open-toed shoes on in the in the interview. You know, you know what I'm saying, right? Um, and, and a lot, and you'd be surprised most of the time when that happens, they're really just confirming some things that I've already picked up on. Right. So you haven't had any that just straight up just completely surprised you? No, 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 no. Uh, uh-uh. I haven't. I haven't. Now, um, I've had. I've had some that we've hired that everybody was unanimous on, and within 90 days, we all realized that it was not going to work. Right. And I've had some that we've hired, and within two or three weeks after hiring them, people come to me with with certain uh, uh, reservations based on um, not picking things up as quickly as they needed to, and in that particular case, the person turned out to be a rock star. It just took them a while to pick up some things that they needed to pick up on to really get going the way we needed them to. Right. But in, other, in other words, they're a slow learner, but once they get it, they get it. Right, right. So we, we've had some of that. But I've never had, I've never had a, a black ball uh, from, an, from an employee of mine that, that didn't have a good reason behind it. And I just don't, if, if somebody's adamant that we don't need to hire somebody and I've got some, some very, uh, vocal, very a type personalities in my agency, it's not like they're going to be milly mouthed about it and be like, Oh no, they're, they're, they're usually either. Yes, we need to hire them or no, we don't. It's usually pretty cut and dry. And how much do your people appreciate that? I think they do. I, I mean, but I, I, again, I just, I run my agency so differently than most people run their agency. I, I have no, I have no vacation day, day plan. Take as much vacation as you want. Um, I, I, I give them a lot of autonomy and a lot of freedom. Um, you give them enough rope to hang themselves <laughs> or be well, successful. You, one you, of the two. And usually, usually they don't hang themselves, but, um, you know, they, they know where the boundaries are. You know, they, they know they can't take four, you know, eight, eight weeks of vacation every year. And, and everybody, you know, has always done well with that. I just, I, I re- the longer I'm in this business, the more I realize that 
it's really not your customers that come first. It's really your employees that come first. And then if you hire great people and train them well and treat them with respect and get to know them on a personal basis and love them up, because they really are part of your family, you spend more time with them than you do your family. That's right. Then you are light years ahead of most agencies that I run across that are like, you know, we can't find good people and, I, you know, we can't trust anybody and I can't trust folks. And when you start down that road, I think I said this in a previous podcast, when you start down the road of I can't trust anybody and we can't find any good people and all this other shit that you hear agents say, just get out of the business. Because you if, if you're at this point where you're so um, just jaded and, and, uh, just overall done with humanity that you can't even hire somebody without the feeling that they're, all they're going to do is screw you and steal the money from you. You you really, you're done. You're, you're just going to, your turnover is going to be astronomical. Um, between, and I, and I'll tell you the other thing that I've learned and you go back to the 90 day phenomenon most people that leave an agency, and this is probably the biggest thing I see happen uh, in the insurance industry within agencies. If you're a principal agent and you tell your people you're going to do something, blood, bleed, or blister, you better make it happen. Freaking do it. Because I'm telling you, I don't give a damn if it's, hey, guys, if you make uh, 100 phone calls tomorrow, we're all going to take off Friday at lunch. Or, um, you, you know, tell somebody if they sell X number of policies, you're going to give them a $500 Christmas bonus, or I don't care what it is because the people that you work with that are your employees, whether it's the one person that we talked about earlier, you're a new agent and you're hiring one person blood bleed or blister. You better do exactly what you said you were going to do. Because if you don't, if you don't, the scorecard is being kept. And when you build up enough, didn't do what I, what you said you were going to do points, they start looking elsewhere. And they are constantly keeping that scorebook. And they're your worst enemy at that point. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I cannot tell you how many times I've had people come wanting a job with me because they had reached maximum density with their agent who keeps saying that they're going to do this and they're going to do this. I had one call me not too long ago. She said, yeah, I had a, uh, I'm quit. I'm quitting the agency I'm with. She said, I had a vacation planned and he told me I couldn't go on vacation because he was going on vacation. So she just quit. In the love of all things holy, what kind of person would think that's okay to say on a job interview? Oh, that it, it wasn't on a job interview. It was just a friend of mine that's a, that was in the insurance business that had still moved moved from one agency to the next. And I, you know, I asked him. I said, "What would you would you move over there for?" And she was telling me this story about how she'd had this vacation plan for like a month. And of course, this is just the this was the icing on top of the cake. You know, you know, because there'd all already been four or five things the agent said he was going to do that he didn't do. And then she put her vacation on the calendar, and then he comes back the week before she's supposed to go and says, hey, I'm not going to be able to let you go to the beach next weekend. I've got to go down to the beach for a conference, which is code for I'm going on vacation. The employees aren't stupid, folks. He's going on a a tax-deductible vacation. (laughs) Exactly. Employees aren't stupid, folks. They all know what each other make. I just got back from one of those, Scott. Yeah, I know. know. Yeah, right. Hey, insurance agents from around the world, let me explain something to you guys. I want to make sure you're all crystal clear on this because obviously most of you are not. So they, they all, they all know what each other makes. And, and, and I know you want to try to keep that a secret and you want to, you know, we don't need to be talking about what each, but listen to me, listen to me, go in the bathroom, look yourself in the mirror. They're a lot smarter than you give them credit for. They all know what each other makes. They know what you're doing. They know what you make. Do what? And they know what you make. Oh, absolutely they do. 
they, they know when you call them from the golf course and they can hear the electric golf court cart going and you tell them that you're uh, in an important business meeting somewhere, but yet they can hear the wind blowing in your cell phone as you go down the 14th green. Um, please don't be stupid. Please don't treat them like they're stupid. If you treat them like an employee's, and you don't treat them like family, your ass will have turnover after turnover after turnover after turnover, and then you're going to get jaded, and then you're going to start talking about how you can't find anybody good, and then you're going to, you know, and it's just going to be this never-ending thing, which is going to end up with you sitting on about a million-dollar book of business your whole life because you're like that kid that wants all the toys and they just grab all the toys up and they won't let anybody else play with the toys. You know what I'm talking about, Bradley? I know exactly what you're talking about. And here's my advice too. And I know I'm young and full of, you know what, and vinegar. And for those of you that don't know, I mean, I'm, I'm still at the point in my career where I'm working, you know, 12 hours a day is a short day. And, and I just, I love to work. I mean, I got back from Disney world yesterday and went straight to the office. Uh, it wasn't supposed to be back till today, but, uh, I firmly believe in leading by example. Uh-huh. I, and I think a lot of people get away from that. I mean, I see some, especially some new agents. I mean, you don't need to be out in the, on the golf course in your first five years. Right. And, and you know, they, they will, they will ask a lot of their people to do, to do things that, that, that they don't do. And, and that's one thing that, that, that I've done and, and people that are really close to me, um, is, is we all, the people I surround myself with like to lead by example, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to dress the way I want my people to dress. Absolutely. I'm going to talk to clients the way I want my people to talk to clients. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pivot to certain products the way I want my people to pivot to certain products. And I think that's the best. And, and I'm not a, I'm self-aware enough to know that I'm not the perfect leader, but I really feel strongly that that leading by example is the best way. You know, don't you know? One thing that I've dealt with in the past is is calling mortgage companies to follow up on payments. You know, Scott, that's one of the most difficult things we can do in our agencies is tracking down a payment from a mortgage company. Well, guess what? I did it for the first three years I was an agent before I asked anybody else to do it for me. Absolutely. And I'm not saying go to go to that extreme, but that's just one example of of doing the things that you're going to ask people to do that way when you do want to go to the golf course and ask them to do something for you they don't they don't hesitate for it because they know okay well he would do this number one he would do this if he was here number two um he's done this before and number three he can probably do this better than me right he or she so so that's that's one piece of advice i have is is you know especially early in your career don't be on the dang golf course Mm-hmm. at three o'clock in the afternoon scott when i first started um in my agency i wrote so many life insurance policies on fridays if if you were to track it even my entire career if you were to track it my entire career which like it's just seven years if you were to track it my entire career i bet you i've wrote more big life insurance policies on fridays than any other day of the week mm-hmm. and you know why it's because everybody else is off Right. If you want to be that's an anomaly, you have to act like one. That's exactly right. You know, to add to add to our list of things that I try to do before I hire somebody. Again, guys, hire slow, fire fast. Hire slow, fire fast. If you just see it's not going to work out for for whatever reason, doesn't matter what it is. If you see it's just not going to work out and it's not the right fit, don't don't let it drag on. Now I'll tell you what I do try to do for the most part. There's only been a couple of exceptions to this. If I see that something's not going to work out, I try to do my dead level best to try to help that person find gainful employment somewhere else. And I have been successful with a couple of people that I've hired and had to let go, helping them find something else that was a better fit. Because because I'm going to tell you this, Bradley. This is something that everybody needs to understand. I always feel like when somebody does not work out in my agency, it is one million percent my fault. Because, guys, I want you to know something, and you need to you need to hear this. There is no last line of defense within your insurance agency. You are the freaking hockey goalie. And if you've spent a month interviewing somebody and doing the personality profile, classic disc test, and everybody in your office has agreed on them, 
and and they're a good fit and you've run the backgrounds on them and you've done all the work and they've done all the work and everybody's excited you know i know it's not always going to work out but regardless of the reason i just always feel like there was something that i could have done differently to make that work and um i don't know that's just me as a person i'm not an excuse guy I don't deal well with excuses and playing the blame game, but I do always feel like it's my fault when it doesn't work. Let me ask you and a question, I always, Scott. I try to reflect back. And, and let me say this for, before you, before you uh, say what you're going to say. The other thing I try to do, and the last girl that left me left real, real suddenly, and we didn't get a chance to do this, but I always like to sit down with them and do an exit interview and have them be brutally honest with me. Because I want to know what I can do differently to make make things work, and then I just kind of read between the lines as to whether what they're saying is a bunch of bullshit or whether it actually is something I need to take a hard look at. I would love to do an episode, Scott, on some of the funny things you've heard in those exit interviews. <laughs> I, I have heard some, uh, you know, but you just have to take it all with a grain of salt and and remember that, you know, some points are 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 salient and good points. And some points are just, you know, them making excuses as to why this didn't work. Right. Let me ask you this, Scott, how do you feel about firing people? I don't like doing it, but for some reason, I think part of it's my military background. I don't find it. And part of it's my personality. I'm a very, very direct person anyway. So it's not something that the, the actual act of sitting across the desk from somebody and letting them know that, that, you know, we're going to have to let you go. is not something that scares me or, or, or makes me have a pit in my stomach. I, I probably do get a little nervous, a little bit nervous right before it happens. Uh, the last one I had was, was they were, it was so funny because I called her in to talk to her and she was telling me about, you know, a, a policy that she was working on. And as I was getting ready to tell her, that I was letting her go, I kind of, I kind of lowered my head and I I lowered my eyes and I said, well, you know, her, you know, the person's name. And I said, uh, you know, the reason I brought you in here and she said, you're, you're letting me go, aren't you? So she said it, she actually said it before I could get it out. See, I have this theory and I've never had to fire anybody. So obviously don't take this as the word of God, but I study business. That's my hobby. Right. You know, I did a I did a podcast interview with uh, Marcus Neto, Mobile Alabama Business Podcast, uh, two weeks ago, and he asked me what my hobby was, and I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> and uh, and and I, and I told him, you know, I'm recently engaged, but my fiance is in insurance, so it's you know, my, right. my hobby's working, but my my hobby's studying business, and and I have a theory that that when you let somebody go, and, and my dad my dad's owned his own business for for almost thirty years, and and I've been around. I mean, he's had to let people, you know, several people go, many people go, and I've been around it since I was younger. And you know, I have many friends who are entrepreneurs and own their own businesses. And and I think Scott, at the end of the day, you not only do you have to convince yourself, but but I think it's it's the truth is is you're doing them a favor. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's if if they don't fit in, if they're doing something wrong, it is bad for their well being that they stay there. And I think a lot of people who have been fired from a job and then further along became somewhat successful or successful would say that that was some sort of turning point for them. Right. And, and I think, I think it, you probably, it's probably 50, 50. You have some people that think, Oh crap, you know, I really am. I really do have a negative personality. I really am a bad person when it comes to dealing with other people or you have some people that, that blame it on the employer and move on, and they're just going to go through this whole cycle their entire life. Because right. let's face it, and, and I'm going to go against one thing that Gary Vaynerchuk says, is is to succeed in life, you have to do things that you don't like to do. Right. Bottom right. line, and I think a lot of people don't want to do that. So I think, you, I think you probably have a 50-50 split. You have some people that blame it on the previous employer, and you have some people that, are, that, that try to change and take that as constructive criticism. But I think at the end of the day you are doing them a favor. Yeah, and I'll tell you this, if you can't ever figure out what your purpose is and what your passion is and what you're really good at, again, going back to being self-aware, you know, I was in the construction business for five, six, seven years before I got into insurance. Didn't like it. 
knew it wasn't what I needed to be doing. Um, and if you'd have stayed I, in that, Scott, you'd be a whole lot less happy person than what you are right now. Right? Oh, and, and a lot less successful. But I knew that it wasn't for me. But the but when I got into insurance, I'm telling you, Bradley, the only example I can give you is it was like throwing a baby duck in a pond. You know, you're like, there's no way this baby duck's going to swim. And then you throw it in the pond and it just swims. It just right. swims around like it's supposed to be. Like that's that's where that baby duck's supposed to be. And And I was kind of the same way. You know, you threw me in the pond. And insurance, and it was, I won't say immediate, but within the first year, I could tell that this, this is where I need to be. Um, right. And I'm, I'm very, very blessed that I had the exact same thing happen to me. Right. And now, I, have a, I, now, I have another theory too on firing Scott before you go to the next subject. I didn't come up with this. Grant Cardone says this, but I firmly believe this. And it's something to think about is when somebody quits, you should have fired them months before that. Right. Because when people quit, they don't stop caring about your business that day that they quit. They stop caring about that business months, weeks, years before that. If you think that that they're going to work as hard as they can absolutely work and and be bought into your system and and be sold on your product up until the day they quit, you're wrong. Do you agree with that, Scott? I do, and I'm about to blow your mind. Blow it. I have never had somebody quit. Really? Nope. Nope. Everybody that I've ever, everybody that uh, has left me has been fired. Now, I will say. I guess, uh, Scott, that means you're you're living up to what you said a minute ago, which is hire slow, fire fast. Right. I mean, right, you're, you're yeah. practicing what you preach. I mean, yeah, I think that, of, that speaks a lot to the culture and, and the, the strength of your leadership, man. I, hats off to you. Well, well, listen, the last girl, I guess she technically quit, but she, we we had already worked out a two week notice because she was moving to another place, um, and it and then we got we got into it, you know. There, I think you described that as an ass tangling on Snapchat, didn't you? Yeah, I believe it was an yeah, it was an <laughs> ass tangling. But that was a situation where you know we had already worked out the details of the. She she was just moving to a. Well, she's moving down there where you are. That's right. I know who and you're so, talking about. That deal was already done. You talk about not caring about business anymore. I mean, that that's a that's another podcast for another day. Is that that somebody's moving or leaving or quitting, and uh, you know, there, there's that two week notice deal, and now they really don't care because they're actually got one foot out the door anyway. That's a whole different podcast. But and, and uh, dude, oh. you're talking about a business that if if you as an employee handling this person's insurance stop caring, right? Pe- people lose millions of dollars on one That's screw right. up. I mean, all That's it takes. I mean, I've got a policy I've got to bind this afternoon. As soon as we get done with here, do I want to go do it? No, but I have to because I care about the client. And if for some reason I don't do that because I have quote unquote more important things then if that person's house burns down tonight, too bad, so sad, you know? Right. Well, and to that, to that point, that's why that, that, that kind of rolls right back up to this whole start of this podcast. Folks, you better hire good people. You better not damn hire $8 an hour employees because this business that you're in, I am blown away with, with what some agents pay their people and they expect to get great people for basically minimum wage or less the days of ten dollars an hour for good good employees is over absolutely and i heard i heard my father say that probably 15 years ago yeah i mean you can't expect to oh well we're gonna pay you eight dollars an hour and not give you any health or you know we're not gonna give you any benefits and we'll pay you seven or eight dollars an hour well you're gonna get about seven or eight dollar an hour type stuff the one i like scott is hey you have to write ten thousand dollars in premium before we pay you anything (laughs) right yeah, you're basically working for free. Now, obviously, um, there's some situations where, where that's all you can do. But but right. I had a buddy of mine that was interviewing with a job with an agent. And he said, yeah, I have to write uh, 20 autos, two life policies, and five fire policies. And then I start making commission. I'm going to tell you, I am going to change the subject real quick. I, I'm going to tell you something. And I'm talking to all you agents out there. You better listen to what I'm saying. Because what I have young agents call me, and I have them call me all the time. Because they know they can talk to me, and their mamas and daddies know me. They'll say, we'll get to talking about an employment offer. And I say, do not accept a position with an insurance agency if they don't have their crap in a pile enough 
to be able to provide you with a written job description. Doesn't have to be all encompassing. I always put something on, you know, it's on a word document and it says that while this constitutes most of your daily, you know, job duties that, that there, there will be some other things that'll be added to this and they're not all on here, but most of it's on there. Then I give them a, a breakdown of, you know, kind of what their day's like once, you know, what, what, what time they get to the office, you know, what they're going to be doing kind of during the day, their days. And then I make them a formal employment offer and it breaks down every single thing from salary, any benefits they're going to get. If, I, if I'm giving them cell phone, you know, any, any, any of the stuff that we're going to do, all of that is in the form. Oh, and I'll tell you another one I put on there and folks, you better do this or your ass is going to be in trouble and you're going to start losing employees. And then you're going to be like that restaurant owner. That's like, I don't understand why, why nobody's coming to our restaurant anymore. Well, probably because your damn food sucks now. That's probably why. But one of the things I put on the employment offer is I put on there exactly what they're going to make for a Christmas bonus every year. So we don't have to have any, well, you said you were going to pay this or you said you were going to do that. No, 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 no. It's right here in your employment offer. Every year you get X, Y, Z for your Christmas bonus. And if you change something, get it signed. Absolutely. And so what I tell kids is this, they'll call me and Oh, I'm talking to this agency. They're telling me this and they're telling me that. Okay. We'll tell them to put it on, put it in writing, give you a job description and employment offer. And you can't believe how many times an agency won't do it. And, and I'm going to add a footnote. They don't have anything in writing. I'm going to add a footnote to this. This practice that Scott is talking about, about offering stuff that doesn't exist is rampant in the financial services industry with stockbrokers, financial advisors, you have to get that in writing, especially in that business. That's just a side note. Let me, let me tell you what I agents, let me tell you what I have written in three inch old English across my shoulder blades. If you ain't got it in writing, you ain't got shit. I can't make it any plainer than that folks. I don't know how else to say it. I know, I know your sales manager is telling you this and telling you that, and you're going to get this and you're going to get that and blah, 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 blah. Okay, great. Put it in writing. That's right. Put it in writing. All right. All right, Scott, in closing, what are our, what are our points today that we've covered? We really just talked about, Hey, we're about to hire either our first employee or we're getting ready to hire employees. And then I guess to a larger degree, we talked about kind of some of the things I do at the beginning of that hiring process. I hire slow, I fire fast. Everybody's going to do great the first 90 days. Probably want to hold off being the agent that runs around talking about how great somebody is until they get 90 days under their belt. You know, we hire for the position, not the person. Again, what does that mean? Well, if you're hired for a CSR position, I don't think I'd be going to Huntsville Hospital and trying to hire a a medical device rep that's making $250,000 a year. But I'd be going to to Chick-fil-A. Yeah, I, I I tell you where I've heard some great employees can be found at insurance agents from around the world. You can listen to me or you cannot listen to me. Verizon, AT&T, that you can find some great, great people in these wireless uh, cell phone stores. Now, a lot of them make a lot of money. You know what uh, I used to do, Scott? That's what you did. I used to manage a cell phone store. There you go. Oh, one other thing before we end. And, I by, manage, say this. and by manage, I mean loosely manage, but right. <laughs> technically... One one thing I one thing I forgot to mention, guys. I want to tell you this before we end this podcast. Uh, one of the things I do if I'm hiring for a sales position, especially B two B, where we're selling a lot of commercial insurance, business insurance. If I'm hiring for that position, I will not hire a person until I'm able to take them to a networking event with me to see how they interact with people. That's just a great indicator to me. Are they a, are they a social butterfly? Are they going to get out there and meet people, shake hands, kiss babies? You know, or are they going to want to sit in the office and aggressively wait on the phone to ring? That's you right. Can use that. Agents, you can use that line. Guys, if you're hiring folks, I hope you listen to this podcast because we have been spitting gold for the last 45 minutes. There, we need that sound effect again. 
We need. We need. We yes, we do. So, so Scott, uh, in closing, do you want to talk about? Do we want to give the folks a preview of some of the people that we have that we're going to talk to on this podcast from a marketing standpoint? Absolutely, go for it. I want to. I, heck, I want to hear. I want to hear some of it. So we have got Joe McCloskey Jr. And if you're in insurance, you saw this guy's video. He's the guy that ate the stinky fish on Facebook. And farmer's agent, I believe. Farmer's agent Joe. He's agreed to be on the podcast and share some of his marketing ideas with us. And this isn't going to necessarily be the format of the podcast, one way or the other. We just kind of we just kind of go with the flow and do what we want to on this. It's ours. We're going to do what we want to, right, Scott? Absolutely. Um, and Joe is going to be on the podcast, and and he he did one video where he ate a stinky fish. I can't, I can't remember the name of the fish, but it's the world's stinkiest fish. And that video got like 60,000 shares or something stupid like that. D- yeah. Didn't he have his wife and kids with him he while had he was his, doing it? He had his wife and kids there, and the kids, if the kids sat there the whole time without throwing up, he bought them new bicycles. And <laughs> I think the wife threw up in like 15 seconds. I don't necessarily think that I'm going to go out there and do something like that, but... But that had nothing to do with insurance, and I promise you that that got him some business. So, so mm-hmm. I think he he would be a great person to talk to. He's agreed on, agreed to be on the show. The uh, another one that I'm really excited about is Andrew Dooley. Andrew is I think he's a farmer's agent as well. And what Andrew was doing is uh, he was going around uh, downtown Austin, I believe, and he was paying for people's parking t- parking meters when they were over. And would pay for it and leave a note on their door and on their on their on their windshield wiper and say, "If I'm willing to keep you from getting a ticket, imagine how much I'm willing to protect your car." And then he had his business card on there, and he went super viral, and he uh, he ended up like on CNN or something like that, and he has agreed to be on the show. And and I think that that's going to be great to to get some ideas from him because you and I both know Scott. I mean. There's things that I do that people don't know about that work, and there's things that you do that people don't know about that work. I mean, just Absolutely. as we as we sit right here, I've got a Facebook video that, that's kind of doing really well, you know, uh, picking his brain a little bit. Uh, we'll be able to get some good ideas for for the viewers there. Outside of insurance, um, and Scott, I don't know if I've told you about this one, I've been talking to Jordan Stupar. Uh, Jordan okay. Stupar was Grant Cardone's number one uh, sales guy, and his last two paychecks – at Grant Cardone's office were $300,000 a piece and he quit to start his own business from scratch. And wow. and he's going to he wants to talk a little bit about some sales tactics that and it, so so he quit on on the platform of there's an old way to sell and there's a new way to sell. And what he's doing is he's teaching the new way to sell. And I think uh, that can be applied a lot um, in insurance. On top of that, I've, I've got two more people that I'm going around with, but we're going to have some really, really cool people on the show that are going to bring a lot of value that, that, hell, just Scott and I are going to learn a ton from. Man, I, I've, got, I've got some guys up here that have been, well, let, let's, just, let's just call a spade a spade. Some of the most successful, largest agency owners in the United States of America are within... 30, 45 miles of where I'm sitting right now, uh, all of whom I can get on the show, all of whom just can spit gold. That's right. Uh, I mean, I'm talking guys that are, are some of which have 30, 40, 50, 60 million dollar books of business and have been doing it 30, 35, 40 years. And, and I want to get some of those guys on the show too, folks, because I want you to hear some of what they have to say and and, and really, more than anything, for me, what they see is the future of insurance and, and kind, of, kind of historically where they came from and, and where we are now and just talk a little bit about all of that and how they were able to accomplish what they were able to accomplish. I mean, like them or not, those guys, are they, they have blown it out of the water and, and done very, very well for themselves. And I hope all of you get a chance to hear some of them. And, so. and if you know somebody, um, I'm speaking to the audience now, if you know somebody that is big in insurance, that does some cool things marketing-wise, that's out of the box. You know, I don't want the -the run-of-the-mill crusty agent who works two hours a day, you know, drinks coffee at, you know, the bait shop that morning and goes to Waffle, you know, and goes to the golf course. Um, But if you know someone who's doing some really cool, innovative things inside insurance, outside insurance, shoot us a message. You can reach Scott. Scott, how can people reach you? You can just email me at scott.howell at nationwide.com. 
Or, you know, there's 480 different ways. If you type in uh, Scott Howell Nationwide, you'll find I've got a Twitter handle at at Nationwide Scott. Same thing with me, man. Just Google Sarah Sarah Land Insurance and you will find me. Bring those people to us. We would love to get them on there, on here. Uh, We're going to be filming our our guest episodes or recording our guest episodes some point next week. Um, So anything else you want to say wrapping up, Scott? Yeah, I want to tell you guys, we can sit here and talk all we want to. Get your ass out there and go sell something today. You have a responsibility to your family. You have a responsibility to the agency that you own and or represent. And you have a responsibility to write good business for the companies that you represent. My name is Scott Howell, the insurance guy, online.com. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Have a great rest of the week. And excited to do this again next week, brother. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of the Insurance Guys. Take care.